Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. We will continue on a remorseless mission to squeeze Russia from the global economy piece by piece, day by day, and week by week. One thing, of course, we could also do is to make an open and unconditional offer to Ukrainian refugees to house them in the United Kingdom. We haven't seen all of what Putin's going to do at the moment. We do not know what his end goal is. Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. So it's International Women's Day and I'm joined this morning by Labour MP Olivia Blake, Conservative peer Anne Jenkin and Rosa Prince, editor of The House magazine on the most influential women in British politics. That in a moment. But first, Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky will deliver an address to MPs in the House of Commons today. He released a video message from his office in Kyiv earlier. I stay here in Kiev at Bankova Street. I don't hide and I'm not afraid of anyone. I will stay here as long as it's necessary to win our patriotic war. So Volodymyr Zelensky there. Well, it is the 13th day of this conflict. Russia and Ukraine talks on a potential ceasefire are struggling to deliver any results. And Russia has threatened to cut off natural gas flows to Europe via the Nord Stream 1 pipeline, escalating economic tensions. Soaring oil and gas prices mean that British households are facing the biggest fall in living standards for half a century, according to the Resolution Foundation today. So those are the preoccupations in the world of politics, but it is International Women's Day, as I mentioned. The government is urging employers to publish salary details in job adverts to help encourage more women into higher paying positions. And a warning from the former Prime Minister, Theresa May, she says that flexible working could lead women to lose out in the workplace, suggesting out of sight can be out of mind. Meanwhile, the HuffPost reports that Labour is dropping all women shortlists to choose candidates for the next general election due to legal advice. Joining me now is Olivia Blake, who is Labour MP for Sheffield Hallam, elected to Parliament in 2019, having been previously a Sheffield City councillor. Olivia, welcome to the programme. Thanks for joining me on IWD. It's such a blow, isn't it, to boosting representation that Labour's having to drop all women shortlist, don't you think? Well, I, I probably disagree with that because the, the reason we are having to drop them is because we've managed to achieve uh, over 50% of our um, parliamentary Labour Party and our women. So uh, I was selected on an all-women shortlist, um, but we've managed to achieve what we've we've been setting out to do. Mm-hmm. Um the difficulty is, is that the legislation basically prohibits us from using them now that we've reached that um, that milestone. Yeah. So I think it's one of celebration, but also, you know, we're we're obviously going to be watching closely to see if this has a negative impact at the next election, because you know some very prominent women are stepping down, um, from Harriet Harman to you know. Uh, Margaret Hodge, you know, there's there's quite a lot of people who've been in the PLP for a long time who are who are stepping down at the next election. So, um, 
we obviously want to make sure that we're uh, selecting a diverse range of candidates coming into the next election. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 35% of MPs at Westminster are women. Compare that to in Scotland, where it's 45%. I mean, how do then we get more women into politics? You know, women like you. Well, I think, you know, other parties don't use the AW, all women shortlists in the way that Labour have for, for many years. So I think that they've been really helpful for the Labour Party to actually achieve um, achieve what we have, which is 50% of our party in Parliament and our women. So I think there's a lot more that we could do to make uh, politics much more accessible to women. Um, you know, there's that statistics that you have to ask a woman seven times before she'll consider putting herself forward for public office. Yeah. Um, and I think it's about having strong role models as well in all the parties to kind of go out there um, and talk to their memberships and, and people in their communities to come forward um, and consider running because, you know, it's a huge privilege to be a representative and one that I think, you know, is really added value um, when we have more female voices in Parliament and, you know, women's issues are talked about more. And I've certainly been doing that since I've been elected. Um, yeah, talking yeah. about miscarriage and, and caring responsibilities and all sorts of different issues that I don't think would get the light, see the light of day if we just had men. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, only 37 out of 650 parliamentarians are actually women from ethnic minority backgrounds. So, I mean... That surely is, you know, points to the fact that parties aren't doing really enough on diversity either. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was really proud to come in in 2019 where we had some amazing um, women from a diverse range of different backgrounds from, you know, LGBT. But we had a, a huge number of um, our new MPs were um, from uh, different different backgrounds so you know we've got like the likes of Zara Sultana, Apsana Begum, uh, Bell um, as well so yeah I think we've been doing better but you know this this takes time and we're not going to reselect the, um, the the parliamentary Labour Party or the Conservative Party in one election so I think it's about making sure that we're moving towards um, you know, being as re representative as possible and bringing okay. people from different backgrounds into Parliament. Yeah, but the Conservatives had have had two female Prime Ministers. Is it time for a female leader uh, of the Labour Party? Do you think that Keir Starmer is going to lead you into the next general election? I, I think that Keir will lead us into the next election. Of course, I would love to have a woman leader. Um, and, you know, I supported a woman at the, uh, the last, leadership um, election and that's a matter of record I think that you know that would be really great for a party but I know um, from my conversations with Kia that we we have a we have a feminist in our leader who's going to give us a space and help promote the issues that are important to women's equality um, and I think we've got some amazing women in our shadow cabinet from Annalise Dodds who's been talking about what we would be doing for equality uh, today um, and you know Rachel Reeves as, uh, as our shadow mm. chancellor. You yeah. know, we've got some of the big hitters, uh, are women in our in our party, and I hope that as time goes on, and you know, when we do have a next leader, whenever that might be, um, that we are able to have a woman come forward um, and get the support of the party. I mean, what has also been uncovered by a lot of female MPs is just the kind of shocking level of abuse and misogyny that is directed pretty much at all women in politics. How do you deal yeah. with that? Um. It's it's one of those issues that you really hope won't happen, and it 
is just kind of endemic, unfortunately. So you have to get quite a thick skin quite quickly. And it it shouldn't be that way, but too too often it is. And I think that you face misogyny in a way that you probably don't in other jobs. Um, and it's it's kind of a bit of a wake-up call to the realities of, of kind of where we are at as a society. Um, Why? Is that because feel... of the online nature of it, the volume of it, the, the severity? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and the vulgarity of it as well. And, you know, the, the way people can talk about sexual violence to you as if that's a legitimate um, criticism, you know, um, that, you know, I know many of my colleagues have had rape threats. They've ended up in the courts. You know, they've had stalkers. You know, this stuff is real and is quite intimidating. But... At the same time, I think a lot of us feel like, no, we're not going to be silenced. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. Um, and, you know, we're going to work for that equality so that other people who come after us don't have to put up with it. Um, I want to talk about also uh, the other big issue of the day really facing um, Britain and Europe. Uh, the biggest fall in real terms disposable income for 50 years I, I mean this has a female dynamic in the sense that uh, you know women were, were quite hard hit in the pandemic and now we're going to um, see again um, a very very significant hit to, to disposable incomes because of the war in Ukraine what should Britain do now as, as war in Ukraine goes into the 13th day well, Caroline, I think that's that's a really important point, and I think it's important to remember that we're we're not isolated here from the impacts of the war in Ukraine, and you know we're seeing millions of people being displaced by this. And I'm I've been very clear, you know, I represent a city of sanctuary who who that we really want to welcome refugees to our country, and we really want to be as open as possible. And I hope that more focus goes on that in the future, but. Coming back to the cost of living crisis, mm. Labour set out our plans quite clearly on how we would tackle the spiralling energy costs with the rise of the price cap in April. And I think we were all severely disappointed that the government have kind of gone for a Klarna pay now, <laughs> and a buy now, pay later approach to this rather than actually taxing uh, with a windfall tax the... the uh, unforeseen um, profits that North Sea oil and gas companies have been making and, and giving that back to people so that they could have a fall in their uh, gas prices by up to £600. So but think- the numbers aren't realistically going to make a difference. I mean, Russia said, you know, if, for example, natural gas is cut off from Europe, oil prices could shoot up to $300. That's sort of the threat that Russia effectively made. Um, I mean, even a windfall tax can't insulate you from that. Yeah, but I just think that the inaction just on the um, the risks before the war kind of, kind of broke out and the invasion happened from this government really is quite telling. And without having that kind of safety net of those policies that we were suggesting earlier... I don't know where the government can go now. And I'm, I'm really concerned that people in my constituency who are already, you know, before the price goes up in April, struggling to heat their homes and feed feed themselves and their children, 
um, you know, how they're going to be impacted by this. So I think the government urgently needs to come up with a plan mm-hmm. um, to work with Labour actually on this because we, we've suggested lots of ideas that haven't been taken up by the government um, which which could really help okay. um, from, you know, increasing the warm homes discount, um, this windfall tax that we've suggested and, and really prioritising um, the low paid and middle income families who are going to be hit hardest by this. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Well, it is 100 years since the first female MP was elected to Parliament in Britain and much has changed in that time. But representation does still lag. 35% of MPs are currently women compared to 45% in the Scottish Parliament. And whilst Britain has had two female Prime Ministers, there's never been a female Chancellor. And with a recent report from cross-party MPs highlighting deeply troubling revelations about bullying and harassment of female politicians, it is not an easy job. Joining me now is Rosa Prince, who is editor of The House magazine, which has today, for International Women's Day, published the 100 Most Inspirational and Influential Women in Westminster list, and supporting that list and Jenkin, who is Conservative peer, who was elected herself as an MP in 1987 and who also founded Women to Win to address the need for more female Conservative candidates and MPs alongside the former Prime Minister Theresa May. Welcome, both of you ladies, uh, for joining me. Really good to have you on the programme. Rosa, perhaps I can go to you first on this list that you've compiled of women in Westminster. Who are they? I mean, it's 100 women. There are only 225 female MPs. Well, happy International Women's Day to you. Um, Yeah, it's not just um, parliamentarians. These are Mm. women who um, work and deal with Westminster. So we've got some... 
So yes, MPs, we've got peers, we've got some Westminster journalists um, who work covering the, the exploits of Parliament and parliamentarians. And we've also got people in public affairs, we've got some senior civil servants. So it, it's a really nice way of celebrating women, some of whom are very well known and some of whom who are less so. Mm. Baroness Jenkin, um, women were only admitted into the Lords where you sit in 1958. Now a quarter of uh, those sitting in the Lords are, are female. There has been a lot of progress, but still it's a serious kind of democratic deficit not to have enough women uh, in, in the Palace of Westminster. Uh, you're completely right, Caroline. Can I just put you right, by the way, I stood as a candidate in '87. Mm. I wasn't elected. And actually I decided... Uh, the experience from the experience that it wasn't for me. And by the way, it's not for everybody. Um, but if you are somebody who thinks you might have what it takes, Women to Win and, and my organisation and lots of us are, of course, there to encourage and support people, women, sorry, not people, to navigate the maze into Westminster. And uh, because it is, as, you're, as you said from your conversation with Olivia, a challenging lifestyle but one that I think most women MPs do find extraordinarily rewarding. But yes, you point rightly to the House of Lords where there is the opportunity for party leaders to actually make a um, significant difference mm. uh, because it's an, it's an appointed chamber largely. And uh, I lobby on this as I do on many other women's uh, matters that uh, from my experience, the women that um, come to the Lords on the whole are, you know, um, come with a lot of, in relevant background, uh, work hard, stay late, are reliable and hardworking, and our ministers certainly so. So I very much hope that um, party leaders will reflect on that and bring more women into the House of Lords, um, as well as keeping our foot on the pedal as you have to all the time in mm. the Commons. But could I just also thank yeah. um, the, the House magazine for doing this list? Uh, it is an opportunity to showcase talent, and to provide role models for many other women, um, both in our Westminster and Whitehall sector, as well as outside. So thanks to them. Rosa, do women want to go into politics? If they do, do they really want to stay? I mean, I, I mentioned what Olivia Blake, Labour MP, said, but it's it's widely now you know, seen that, that the harassment of particularly female and minority MPs, for example, but kind of women in politics in general, the harassment that they suffer is, is enormous. Do women want to go into politics? Do they want to stay? Do you know, um, I think that's something that's really concerning because I think women do want to, to go into politics. I think women are really inspired by um, the world around them and they want to, to make changes. They want to make changes for themselves and, and for their children. I mean, look at the response to the murder of Sarah Everard. Um, women took to the streets. They, they have had enough and they know that you know, men aren't going to sort this out and, and they need to step forward and do it themselves and they're prepared to do that. But but of course it's off-putting. I mean, nobody wants to be in a position where they're they're trolled and, and abused on Twitter. And, and luckily there are plenty who are, who are really who are really brave and, and will put themselves through it and say that they're not going to be deflected. And I admire them very much. I, as somebody who works in Westminster, I am full, filled with admiration for 
for women MPs and women peers. And one thing I think is important is that we do our best to make that as, as possible, as, as easy for them as we can. Mm. So, for example, we had a reception last night for um, our 100 winners and I was speaking to a, a young woman who has just joined, recently joined um, Anne in the House of Lords and that's very unusual. There aren't normally young women in the House of Lords. And she was saying how difficult she found it because she has young children to get to those late night sittings. So there's definitely a, a ways to go in in sort of encouraging women and making it an easier experience for them. Mm. And this government and Boris Johnson have often been said to have a woman problem. And the stats do sort of bear this out. For example, 2019, the UK is ranked 15th out of the OECD countries in terms of the number of women in Parliament, but 33rd when it comes to the women in ministerial positions. So even if you get in, getting to that top table of decision making is even harder. Well, it's not necessarily true. The problem is our numbers, as you rightly point out. I mean, we've gone, since I've been campaigning on this, from uh, 9% conservative uh, MPs being women, and by the way, spin that around, make it 91% men, uh, to 24%, which is obviously better, but not enough. And when you've only got 87 female MPs, Mm. many of whom were elected only in 2019, it's the pipeline issue. So they, I think, are committed to... You know, promoting promoting as, as speedily Is it as they the can. Is the pipeline issue, though? I mean, just remember the breastfeeding yes. Ferrari in the Commons. I mean, or, or is this also an attitude problem? Um, no, I think they genuinely want to pr- promote women, and they have they have done that. I mean, most women who were here before 2019 are now ministers. Um, it, it is just that we don't have the numbers. I mean, I think that most women MPs would say that it's no more challenging than many other challenging jobs. And in fact, I think we we could do with hearing a little bit more from women how you know the crash works. How they, how I think, what women who are considering it want to hear is how do existing women MPs actually manage, mm. and and how do they manage their lives? I I hear that over again. You know, who collects the children from school? When do you go back home? How do you manage your holiday periods and so on? And so they just really want to understand the logistics of it, mm. and we ought to be in a way promoting. Uh, practicalities, how you cope with the practicalities, uh, which which are manageable, actually. And we, I'm glad to say we've got more mothers in Parliament than ever before. And that obviously um, reflects a different um, understanding of, of, of women's experiences, which is also very important. But yeah. the point is that you need to have a woman round the table. Every single ministerial meeting needs to have two women there so as to be a better reflect women's life experiences and to understand um, the different perspectives. Yeah, and in, and in some senses, I feel that that was, that was an issue that was greatly highlighted in the pandemic, surely. I, I mean, uh, yeah. you know, the, the idea that, that policies, you know, centred around families, women, children and so on, were sort of missing from the conversation. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I mean, I could say no more than that. Of course, it would have been better. Um, and that's one of the mistakes I hope they realise they understood. But I, every time I have a meeting with a senior minister, I say, you know, just make sure every meeting you have, just look around the room and say, where are the women? So to have their their input into it. Mm. Rosa, do you think that having, you know, it's as you say, your list is not just about female MPs, but it's also about, you know, women just 
across the whole swathe of jobs, you know, in civil service, in, in journalism, in, in all of the kind of functions that feed into government. I mean, you also have to remember that only sort of 37 out of 650 parliamentarians who are women are actually from an ethnic minority background. So even even there, there are kind of issues with representation. But do you think that having those that network of other women is improving matters for, for the conversation in Britain? I think so. Um, I mean, touching on your point about how odd it is to not have women at the top table in all sorts of issues, many of the women last night that I was speaking to um, said how uncomfortable they were about the situation in Ukraine and how mm. few, few women there appeared to be on the front line. And, and in, in, the, in the UN, we need women and we need women in NATO and we need to, just to be represented um, on a purely democratic level. That's wrong. But also, as you say, on a practical level, because women do bring a different perspective. And yes, very much it applies in all sorts of jobs. I mean, when I joined the parliamentary lobby quite a few years ago now, I remember once being on a a trip with the Prime Minister and it was full with all the Westminster reporters and I left my handbag in the in the loo of the plane and someone brought it to me and I thought, how did they know that was mine? And then I looked up and down the plane and I realised <laughs> that I was I was the only woman and what was almost more frightening was that I only just that second noticed it because it was so common that there were no women reporters in, in the room and I'm glad to say that's definitely changed um, yes. in the in the lobby but it, it, it's it's a it's a, a something that needs to be addressed these these are important jobs and we need to be reflected in them. It's, it's worth making the point too, though, Rosa, that, I mean, if you'd been doing this list, I don't know, 10 years ago, you'd have struggled to find 100. Whereas yes. we, uh, as you know, on our panel, uh, had to get it down from 300 nominations down to that 100 and with a special category of um, ones to watch, which um, I think we're going to go on with on, a, on an annual basis. But, um, I mean, we, you know, it is a, International Women's Day is supposed to be a celebration, although, of course, this is not a very happy day for so many women across the world. Um, and, and even here in this country where women are more afraid and anxious and angry than I think I've ever seen them, if we are looking on the bright side, that list is full of inspirational role models yes. who I hope will attract the next generation into all of those different jobs, whether it's in the media, civil service or in, in politics itself. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.